0: Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Today I'm not talking about a video game or a movie based off a of video game. I'm going to talk about a series of Flash videos. If you watched a lot of Flash videos back in the mid to late 2000s, then there's a reasonable chance you've come across Super Mario Bros. Z. Some of you might have even seen the episode title for the BitCast this week and just felt this flood of nostalgia coming back. Some of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, and if that's the case, then you're in for a treat. So what we have here is a product of Mark Haynes, also known as Alvin Earthworm. The show is a Mario crossover, but not with Dragon Ball Z, as the title would suggest. Instead, Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog are joining forces, and there are a lot of Dragon Ball Z elements that come in the form of... elements. They have these wild, high-stakes plots, quest to collect seven artifacts, charged-up attacks, super-powerful forms, an emphasis on battling and power levels, and a lot of borrowed character archetypes. While the emphasis on fight scenes certainly evokes Dragon Ball Z, I'd say that the fights are of a very different style all their own. In Dragon Ball Z, fights are really drawn out, a lot of character moments to be had. You spend as much time in the fights as you do out of the fights. Here, the fights are very quick, flashy affairs in contrast with the rest of the plot. The fight scenes were the bread and butter of Super Mario Bros. Z, those are what everyone remembers the series for, what they all look forward to with new episodes. You can find isolated fight scenes online, and even compilations of different fight scenes. How many times can I say the word fight? But yeah, you get those kinds of videos. You don't get videos of all the serious moments or all the funny moments. It's always the fight scenes. That's what people associate with Super Mario Brothers Z. And... They always delivered. The first battle in the series is Mario versus Bowser, as he as the latter interrupts a Mario Kart tournament so that he can be Bowser. And this lasts for the first two episodes, with most of the action happening in episode two. This battle shows promise, but I'd still say it's one of the weaker ones in the series. It's a bit more simplistic with with its choreography and it's kind of hampered by Bowser's limited sprites. This series uses a lot of sprites from different games to animate the characters, and in this case, Bowser is portrayed by his sprites from Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, and there weren't a lot of sprites for Bowser in that game. Mark hadn't gotten around to doing custom sprite work just yet. Bowser reappears in later episodes, and they use... Sprites from Super Princess Peach, so he's able to emote a little more there. Anyway, for everything I said about the first battle, the good news is that the series gets progressively better and better about the fight scenes as time goes on, making creative use of character sprites, reusing and revamping canonical character abilities, providing a lot of interesting situations, and even introducing some new ideas in ways that enhance the characters without detracting from them. Of the eight episodes that exist in the original show, more on that later, seven of them contain at least one fight scene, the outlier being the first episode, which focused more on the cart race. I'd say that the fights take on their recognizable standard about as early as episode three. From this point on... I'd say that any of the fights being someone's favorite in the series would be understandable. They're all roughly on par with each other from this point on, though I'd still say that there is steady improvement. Back to being a Mario and Sonic crossover, the series starts with Mecha-Sonic from Sonic 3 and Knuckles... Showing up in Mario's world, and he establishes himself as a hyper-violent killer robot with no compassion whatsoever. And hardly a sense of humor. He kills a random Goomba who got his hands on a Chaos Emerald. And it's a lot like how Raditz kills a random farmer at the very beginning of Dragon Ball Z. And that's about it for Sonic Elements right now. The rest of the first episode and the majority of the second episode are focused on Mario and Luigi, as they do that kart race against Wario and Waluigi. And then it turns into a Bowser battle. Things are going well until Bowser transforms into Metal Bowser to get the upper hand, and he's only defeated by the timely arrival of a strange capsule, which is eventually revealed to be the ship that Sonic and Shadow the Hedgehog used to get here. This is when we learn what the plot of the series is. It's very Dragon Ball Z. Much in the same way that Trunks had to time travel to solve his little android problem, Sonic and Shadow have an android problem of their own. Or... Hedgehog? Droid? I I don't know... (laughs) Throughout Episodes 3 and 4, we learn that Mecha-Sonic is actually an amalgamation of the different robot versions of Sonic, and he has completely obliterated Sonic's home world. The only survivors, besides Mecha-Sonic, are Sonic and Shadow themselves. Shadow warped the Chaos Emeralds to another world so that Mecha-Sonic couldn't become even stronger. But then the robot warped away on his own, which is how he got to kill that Goomba in Episode 1. Sonic and Shadow followed a bit later, and they chance upon the Mario Brothers, who then agree to help find the Chaos Emeralds before Mecha-Sonic can get his metal hands on them. While Episodes 3 and 4 introduce our plot, our stakes, even giving Mecha-Sonic his first fight, we also get to see more of a story focus than the first two episodes. In Episodes 1 and 2, it was all pretty standard Mario stuff, Mecha-Sonic is just jarring in comparison, he speaks as brutally as he behaves, and I think this serves to make him stand out as best as he can, because he is very much an outsider, and a dangerous one at that. Now I say that there's dialogue, but it's all really textual, there's no voice acting in this fan project. They do embellish the dialogue boxes with voice clips from the character's source material, but... To be honest, it's a little jarring to go back to the series and have to read everything after getting used to more voice acting and more modern projects, but there are a few exceptions. We have five protagonists, Mario, Luigi, Sonic, Shadow, and Yoshi. Out of the five, only the hedgehogs ever talk. Mario and Luigi use the gibberish from the Mario and Luigi RPG series while Yoshi makes Yoshi noises. This is fine, but it does force Sonic to do most of the talking for the heroes, because as if Shadow would do more talking than necessary. But since we're on the subject of Sonic and Shadow, they get the most lines in the series, besides Mecha-Sonic, and they don't stick the landing quite as gracefully as their nemesis does. A lot of the dialogue in this series can be really corny. Mark manages to make the characters sound like themselves about 90% of the time, but there's the occasional odd phrase or a mistimed remark that kind of hurts the immersion just a little bit. The biggest offender would probably be Shadow the Hedgehog overall. In the games, Shadow wasn't exactly a team player, not the most upbeat guy, but he ultimately respects Sonic and has gone on to perhaps be one of the more emotionally mature members of the main cast. In Super Mario Bros. Z, Shadow is Vegeta. To the show's credit, this does get called out in Episode 8, and we get some hints as to why Shadow behaves so differently. But there's still some weird stuff. For instance, Bowser almost wins in his fight with Mario, even after losing his metal power-up, because Kamek, the wizard, he took Peach hostage, threatening to transform her, and Bowser is okay with this. It wasn't really established in the main canon yet, only in the Paper Mario games, but most fans accepted it anyway, that Bowser had a crush on Princess Peach, so why would he condone Peach being used as a hostage? That kind of strikes me as out of character. Some of Sonic's word choice is also a little weird, a little oddly verbose. In general, a lot of the more dramatic dialogue can be kind of stilted or inexperienced, it kinda gives the impression that at the time of writing those episodes, Mark hadn't quite figured out how to convey serious dialogue while keeping the characters nuanced and in character. The entire story is just really edgy when you look at it out of context, or maybe even in context. You heard me describe the story. Mecha-Sonic killed all of Sonic's friends and destroyed his homeworld, world and he's every bit the edgy, cool, tough guy villain that a 12-year-old would think is cool. Combine that with the fact that it's the very tried-and-true idea of a Mario and Sonic crossover, really mainstream anime influence like Dragon Ball Z, and you have a recipe for a series that should really be corny and treated as kind of a little blemish that everyone looks back on awkwardly, like... Chris Neosi and Kira Buckland's Brawl Taunt videos. But the edginess and the occasional clumsy writing are really balanced out, not only by the excellent fight scenes, but the extremely authentic humor. While Super Mario Bros. Z is known for its fights, I think the comedic aspects are really underappreciated. They really do capture the humor of the Mario and Luigi RPGs. Just focus on Luigi in a given episode and you're sure to have a laugh or two. They're always really fun nods and references to various Mario things, just like the Mario games are supposed to. For crying out loud, there's a Hotel Mario joke in episode 8. And for anything I said about Mecha-Sonic being an edgy child's dream villain, he kind of pulls it off. He's not without his fair share of cheesiness, sure, but he contributes to most of the best fight scenes in the show... Whenever Mecha-Sonic makes an appearance in an episode, he gets my full attention. I bought into how ruthless and destructive he was, so whenever he was around, I could never be too comfortable about what would happen next. Something or someone would definitely be destroyed by Mecha-Sonic before he left. It got to the point where I watched someone else playing Sonic & Knuckles for the first time just a few years ago. And Mecha Sonic showed up for a boss fight, and I just saw that familiar sprite, and I was like, "Oh no, not him! No!" And and then I, I noticed that he was a very easy boss fight. Uh, yeah, that's just the impact that character had on me because of his portrayal in the series, a lot more flattering than in his actual game. Plot is pretty standard; it's a kind of like Dragon Ball. Who would have guessed? First six episodes could be divided into two-part arcs before episodes seven and eight kind of go off to do their own things. One and two were the cart race and the eventual battle with Bowser, while three and four established Sonic, Shadow, and Mecha-Sonic, while the adventure for the Chaos Emeralds started in earnest. Then we get to episodes five and six, which may be the signature episodes of the series. Episode six, more than five. While 7 and 8 were of quality, there was a long gap between 6 and 7, unprecedented at the time. So, here's the deal. Mechasonic pulverized Yoshi in Episode 3 and made off with an emerald. Koopa Brothers from Paper Mario, those Ninja Turtle-looking guys, they did the same thing to the other four protagonists during Episode 4. So our heroes are in bad shape. They hear about another Chaos Emerald on Yoshi's Island. So they go there and find that the Yoshis have been enslaved by the Axum Rangers from Super Mario RPG, those Power Ranger-looking guys. Only they've upgraded to new bodies, mainly because Super Mario RPG sprites didn't lend themselves to this kind of series. Soon the Koopa Brothers show up, and then every fan secretly hoped for the same thing to happen. And that wish was granted. Bam! three-way fight scene between Mario's gang, the Koopa brothers, and the Axiom Rangers. The fight is so long and drawn out that it extends past the end of episode 5 and goes into episode 6, but we get some of the most inventive choreography yet, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the first fight in the series to break out the fancy camera angles. Now, I will say that for as hype-inducing as this fight is, I've always been a little bugged by a few things, mainly the fact that it's a really one-sided fight. During episode 5, it kind of looks like a very even fight, everyone's going at it, but come time for episode 6, it kind of starts looking more like everyone's just ganging up on the Mario crew. There's also a comment to the side about when it about the Yoshi chief worrying over how destructive the fight is, that the island will be destroyed before Mario and friends can even save everyone. I like this implication that Mario's party are kind of a problem in their own right, but this is never really touched upon again. Though in fairness, they are doing a lot less damage than either the XM Rangers or the Cooper Brothers. Episode 6 is also when Mecha Sonic really shows his stuff. First of all, Mark gives him some of Cooler's voice clips instead of the generic robot sound. And for context, Cooler is the name of Frieza's older brother in some of the extra Dragon Ball material. So now, with his new voice clips, we can hear just how malicious and hateful Mecha Sonic is on top of having to read everything he says. He shows up to the island, he grabs all four known Chaos Emeralds, and powers up to semi-super Mecha Sonic, destroys and vaporizes the Axum Rangers, making them the first casualties of the series, if we don't count that Goomba or any of Sonic's backstory friends. Despite this robot-on-robot bloodbath, Mario's team goes at it anyway, inducing a fight scene that's really fun to watch, in spite of the fact that they hardly managed to even scuff Mecha Sonic. I gotta say, this fight really is amazing. They saw just how brutal Mecha-Sonic was, and they go after him anyway. I I was a little naive at the time. I didn't really know much about the concept of plot protagonist armor yet that spares main characters from ever having to die too early. But I, I was really thinking, like, Whoa, they're crazy for fighting this guy after he did all that. What are they thinking? No! Oof. Very thrilling episode, and for about a year and a half, this was the end of Super Mario Brother Z, this entire Yoshi's Island arc. But eventually, Episode 7 did come out. We return to the formula of Episodes 3 and 4, where we're just hunting for emeralds. We head out, and there's a bit of levity, some shenanigans, a cameo from another Flash series called Bowser's Kingdom. Then, bam, Mechasonic shows up again for a few more fights. Now, as fun as these fights are, I did start to think it was a little weird that Mecha Sonic shows up to be the antagonist for Episode 7 after having such a drastic presence in Episode 6. I felt like he needed to breathe a bit. With a villain who commands your attention as much as Mecha Sonic, you don't want to overuse him. This episode features the glitch world from Super Mario Bros. 1, and the episode slows to a crawl when we get a bunch of exposition on the glitch world that. Never really amounts to much. I remember reading that Mark wanted to try having more conversations in the show and fewer mindless fights. And that's respectable, but it does bring down the episode and doesn't really amount to much, as I said. I think even Mark sees it in hindsight. He's talked about not being too happy with the dialogue in this episode. Also, the fact that the glitch world is only ever solved thanks to a deus ex machina, which, like, everyone kind of looks back on that like, huh, that is kind of weird. Including Mark, again. It's widely known by the fans that Mark doesn't look back on this episode with the utmost fondness. The only thing everyone really agrees upon is that the 8-bit fight scenes were really cool. Episode 8 shifts the storyline in a new direction when Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach... Like, like he threatened to kidnap her before, this time he actually does it. And he wants the Chaos Emeralds in exchange. It's suggested that he teamed up with Dr. Eggman, who is alive, for somehow. And he's hiding in a fancy new airship. He'll give the princess back if Mario gives him the Chaos Emeralds. While everyone wants to rescue the princess, Shadow wants to go after Chaos Emeralds because Mecha-Sonic is a bigger threat, and technically he's right, but he's still being a jerk about it. This is when Shadow gets called out for acting out of character for so much. So Mario, Luigi, Sonic, and Yoshi end up going on without Shadow, and they raid Bowser's airship in an extended combat sequence that is still full of that Super Mario Brothers Z luster. Mark starts incorporating some of his own art for the characters to be able to emote whenever the sprites just won't cut it. We see Sonic using a Mario power-up for the first time. The fight goes really well until Mark introduces an OC, original character, Uh, A Koopa Troopa named Captain... uh, How do I pronounce this? Captain Basilisks. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. The captain petrifies all of Mario's friends and then beats Mario into submission, and, uh, that's it. That's where the series ends in 2010. Now, it's not a complete cliffhanger. Mark released the first part of episode 9, and we see how Mario gets out of his situation while also catching up with Shadow and Mechasonic. But then, in 2012, the series was officially cancelled. The most commonly cited issue was that Mark kept getting pestered by fans to make new episodes. It's worth mentioning that he did have a bit of clout. He was really well-known for Super Mario Bros. Z, everyone liked it. Newgrounds updated the file size limit for video uploads just so he could get Episode eight onto their site, The late Monty Ohm is even said, by Mark himself, to have been inspired by Super Mario Brother Z. Having seen Monty's magic in the early seasons of Ruby. I can see some of the fingerprints. But, yeah, Mark was being hounded left, right, and center, and that's in addition to some real-life issues, which happens to the best of us, nothing to be ashamed of. And according to a Twitter thread, he was also dealing with a co-writer for the last two episodes who kept trying to take the show in weird directions. So, Super Mario Bros. Z ultimately collapsed under its own weight. Mark did reveal other future details over time. I think these were before the series ended, but he wanted three seasons of the show, each to have 15 episodes. He also wanted a movie, and I think the movie was going to deal with chaos from Sonic Adventure. Rosalina from Mario Galaxy was supposed to appear in season 3 I think. Wart from Super Mario Brothers 2 was going to appear and Mecha Sonic was going to hold a tournament at one point. That's all we really know at least for now. It was better to have loved and lost than to have never have loved at all. Super Mario Brothers Z went down as a cool kid fad that at the very least it left us wanting more. So much so that fans have tried to make their own continuations, or make their own series with a similar style, and... Well, I'm sure some of them are alright, but none of them really gathered the same following that Super Mario Z did. But without Mark there to give us our fix, we just had to use what we had. Suddenly, in 2016, Mark hits us with the unthinkable, a reboot. The series starts all over again, with a familiar but kind of different beginning. Mechasonic is now Metallix, which was going to be his final form in the original show, so he has an all-new look and name. He's introduced the same way. He still kills that one Goomba for a Chaos Emerald. And then we cut to Mario, who's now, instead of being in a Mario Kart tournament, now he's in a Super Smash Bros. tournament against Wario and kind of Waluigi. This change has split the room a bit. On one hand, a kart race was a nice way to show that Mario and Luigi were having a fun, peaceful life before the plot happened. But on the other hand, a fighting tournament makes the sudden Dragon Ball Z antics a little less out of the blue. If nothing else, it gives us an extra fight we never got to see in the original series, The first episode is much longer than the original episode 1-2. It actually covers the events of the original first two episodes. A lot of the beats are the same. Bowser interrupts the event, he fights Mario, he becomes Metal Bowser, Hedgehogs kind of save the day, Kamek tries to make Peach a hostage, all that stuff happens again. It's all greatly expanded upon compared to the original, though. You can see Mark really applies a lot of the lessons he's learned from the original series. It's pretty good. Not quite the quick and creative fighting that I liked from the original episodes 3 through 8, but surely we'll get there, right? Super Mario Brothers Z is back, and it's... Oh, no, wait. Mark's Patreon for the show got shut down by Nintendo. Doggone it. Yeah, that was unfortunate. One episode back, and it already goes back under. I guess you couldn't expect to publicly make money for something called Super Mario Brothers unless your name is Shigeru Miyamoto. That just kind of makes sense in hindsight. This, and a couple other reasons, caused Mark to seemingly give up on this reboot. A brief glimmer of hope before returning to a world without Super Mario Brothers Z... Until February of 2020, that is. Mark re-uploads the first episode of the reboot, live streams a marathon of the original series, takes up a more active Twitter presence, he's admitted it. He's back to working on the reboot. He's even showed a few dev updates on his Twitter. It looks like we're finally back to where we need to be. Sure, there's no promise that this reboot will go the distance, but... I choose to be hopeful. Very long journey we've all made with Super Mario Bros. Z, a lot of its old school fans have grown and changed, but I still look back on the old days with fondness. Those fight scenes, they all really hold up still. I can't wait to see what happens next. This series has introduced me to some neat songs, by the way. To transition into today's favorite songs, I'd like to take the time to mention a few favorites, and, of course, they're all from the action scenes. The three-way fight from Episodes 5 and 6 is backed by a song called Back to Mad, and I don't think I can legally say the artist's name out loud. Back to Mad by Texas F... Yeah, not gonna say it. It just really suits the constant and increasing chaos of the fight. Then later in episode 6, is a remix of the Doomsday Zone from Sonic and Knuckles. It plays for semi-super Mecha-Sonic's rampage against the Axum Rangers and then the heroes. What really sells it is the timing of Mecha-Sonic screaming, I'll crush you! as the music starts, which even Mark himself has acknowledged is one of the most memorable Mecha-Sonic moments, to the point where he intends to feature it in the reboot at one point. Episode 7 features Fierce Battle from the Metal Slug 5 soundtrack. It's an equally intense theme for Mecha-Sonic, but it's a bit more hectic and less apocalyptic. It suits Mecha-Sonic being at a lower power level, which he is in the episode. Also him being more desperate. Then Episode 8 features a bit of Crisis City from Sonic 06 during the bit where Sonic becomes Solar Sonic. That game already has a good soundtrack, so using it here was brilliant. It was actually my first exposure to the Crisis City theme. That's all I have to say about Super Mario Bros. Z. Mark, if you're listening to this for some reason, uh, first of all, thank you. I'm sure you're a busy guy. You took the time to listen to this. It's really nice of you. But more importantly, you've done great work. You've created something magical for thousands of people. You're an inspiration. With that said... That's all for this week's bitcast. Be sure to come back next week by following the bitcast on Twitter. I will see you on the next one. Thank you for listening. Listen to Bitcast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast 1 app.